it's hard to run a business in in the best of times. Um, it, it's it's even harder when you when you have uncertainty um, around the health and safety and welfare of your customers and your employees. So um, the, custom, the companies that are that are really doing it well, I think, are are, um, are keeping that top of mind and are um, are adapting uh, to working remotely and adapting to doing things a little bit differently and. And and uh, staying patient with the idea that uh, that, that we're just going to have to work through kind of a new abnormal for a little while until we until we get back to a little bit more normalcy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Go Getters Podcast, brought to you by Go Get It Marketing and Media GGMM.io and our friends over at On Milwaukee with all the all the uh, uncertainty in the financial markets uh, in this COVID era for individuals, for business owners. I am really excited about today's episode. We have Jim Pop in the studio, who is the president and CEO of Johnson Financial Group, which is the largest privately held bank headquartered here in Wisconsin with about $6 billion in assets on the banking side and $13 billion on the wealth side. Pop was previously at J.P. Morgan Chase, where most recently he was the Wisconsin market leader. He was there for a decent amount of time. 29 years. 29 years. Um, prior to that, he uh, he played football, college football at Vanderbilt, had some stints in the NFL with the Niners, Bears, Houston Oilers, to date yourself a little bit. Houston Oilers, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was, I had a, a very small cup of coffee there nice. in a go cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also served very uh, philanthropic and involved in the Milwaukee community. He serves on the boards of the Boys and Girls Club, the MMAC Children's, and the Greater Milwaukee Committee. He was also a, a near champion at the Red Crown Invitational in, in 2019 with me. We had a you know kind of a tragic loss at that event. We'll a, a near, near champion. That's near, right. near champion. You know, I think if um, Joe Gerke, friend of the podcast, Kessler's Diamonds, I think if I think if he would have you know, woken up before hole 12. I think we would have had that well, thing. So we could throw Joe under the bus right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, Kessler's, I mean, they sponsored our dating advice episodes. Right, well, Joe's good. been a guest. Yeah. Joe, Joe is a good friend of the show. I wish Joe had woken up then. <laughs> to give him credit, he did, he did kind of, he closed it out very strongly. So yeah, those, are, those are fun events. It's fun to get yes. everybody together up there. Shout out to uh, Joe Gerke and the great team over at Kessler's Diamonds. All right. D- diving into uh, today's episode. So what... What what is your general outlook on the economy for the kind of the rest of 2020 and leading into 2021 with with all the uncertainty and kind of everything going yeah. on right now? You know, you know, Richie, we've um, we we all kind of closed everything down on the in the middle of March, and we were we were all very nervous about um, where things were going and where things are headed. And, and I mean, look at the look at the market today. The market is. I just looked this morning. It's Dow's at almost twenty nine thousand again. Um, you, you know, we, we know there's going to be softness in the economy. We know that, um, there's been a, an unprecedented amount of stimulus that's been pumped into the economy. It's been pumped into for consumers. Uh, PPP has been pumped into the business community. So I think that probably has delayed a little bit of, of maybe some of the pain that might be out there into the future. But all in all, it's holding up. We're finding it holding up reasonably well under all the circumstances. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the stimulus, which I think was about three trillion total between personal and business, um, saw the high unemployment rate. I think it got to about fourteen percent, maybe down around eight or ten at ten at the moment. Yet the yeah, as you were saying, the market is at about an all time high. Is 
what what are the what do you think the effects of that are? Do you think it's yeah, as you were saying, kind of delaying the inevitable, or do you think the economy could remain strong? And then obviously we've got the election coming up in November. We've as we've, well. we've got an election coming up that is that is is going to be absolutely um, unbelievable to watch. I think the and, and I agree I, with it's that. It's going to be <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable is the best you can say about it. We've got election coming up. We we've also obviously we've got uh, we've got this pandemic. You know, I, I think I think a lot's going to depend on um, um, what kind of a whether we have a vaccine or what the what the prognosis is for vaccine, what the prognosis is for the continued pandemic. When you get people right now, there's so many people not working from their offices; they're working from home, and we're all we're all coping with it and getting by. We've got 900 plus people working from home had for the last six months. We would love to get people back and get to a more uh, a better rhythm. On how we do our business, but right now we're all we're all kind of um, dealing with it as it comes. I uh, we're hoping um, that um, we'll see some relief from the pandemic coming up soon, and we'll get to, back to a little bit more normal at yeah. some point. Yeah, and as the as the CEO of this company, how many employees do you guys have? We have about 1,180 1, across Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Arizona. What's it been like leading during this time as the CEO of this company and trying to maintain the the great culture that you guys have? Well, I, I think that's that's the word, right? Culture. I mean, we we um, we, a big part of our culture is being present. It's being face to face. It's spending time together. It's learning from each other on uh, while we're all while, while we're we're there together. Um, the biggest challenge has been communication. Um, we, we want to stay in touch with people as best we can, but we've got 900 and some people, uh, remotely working. We've got a bunch that still come into the branches and run our branch drive throughs and run operations areas for us. But, um, staying in touch with people, keeping in touch with people, keeping information flowing on a consistent basis is, is probably the most important thing, uh, for us right now. Yeah. And you talk about, um, you know, communication, obviously there's the banking world's changing so much with technology. Can you talk about how Johnson Financial is, is adapting in those realms where everything is so personalized and mobile banking is so important? Sure. Uh, you know, as you and I talked a little bit earlier, uh, you know, we've got, we're a business that's been around in the state of Wisconsin for 50 years. You know, our business, our business is, um, right now our customer base is a lot of baby boomers and and a little bit younger than that and um and we're building a business that uh, that takes care of those boomers and all their needs but also takes care of the millennials and younger who are coming up to the system and they they use the bank in different ways they invest in different ways they expect different things from us as an industry um we're investing in platforms and technology from a digital execution standpoint that will probably as big, be as big an investment as we have made in the history of this company over the course of the next five years. We're investing in talent and people and, and, um, and a means to, to reach our customers where they want to do business, how they want to do business, when they want to do business. If they want to be face to face. They can come into a branch. If they want to be in their car, they can do it on the phone and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really about providing that experience, how how they want to be reached, and maintaining that brick and mortar presence yeah. while while having that online. And it's a, and it's, a re, it's a retooling of the industry, frankly. I mean, everybody is doing this, and and the upside for us is, twenty five years ago, you couldn't access that kind of technology. The bigs could access that kind of technology. Now we can all access that technology. There, it's becoming more um, readily available to us. It's just how we want to integrate it 
into a full solution in our businesses. Yeah. Um, I want to spend some time talking about the PPP program. A lot of people are curious about that. Backtracking to when that first came out, what was, what was you guys' initial reaction and what was the chaos of business like? The, the, the chaos of business was, uh, is exactly what it was. I, you know, I, I, we, we had, um, we knew it was coming, like most everybody did it only, only days or maybe a week in advance of, of this coming out. Um, we had contracted to put a, um, an automated solution in place to deliver PPP loans uh, to those uh, in our customer base who needed it. Uh, we also fortuitously, uh, ran a, ran a side process, a manual process. And, um, by the time it was all done, we never wound up with a, uh, with the automated solution, never got, never was, um, executed on. We wound up doing 2,200 plus or minus PPP loans for almost $600 million one at a time manually. And along the way, that process changed every day. You know, we were taking applications for the first week that by, by the end of week one, the application had changed and we had to go back and redo the applications. And we're, and the, I mean, to put it in perspective, Richie, we did as a company last year, eight SBA loans, eight. We did 2,200 in, in the course of five weeks. That's, that was a, that was a, a tsunami. Of, of those kinds of, of those kinds of loans. And we, we do it again. We do it again the same way. It was, it was great for our customers. Um, our customers needed it. Hey everyone, it's your host, Richie Burke. And thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Go-Getters podcast. If you're interested in using podcasting to grow your business or you've started a show and are looking to grow it, we've got the perfect hour-long Podcasting for Brands Masterclass for you, where I go over the state of audio and podcasting 2020, how to monetize a podcast without a big following, and how to use podcasting to better market your business, whether that's for brand exposure, direct response marketing to move the needle. We've got it all in there. It's a great opportunity right now. So if you're interested, just head over to podcast.ggmm.io. The details are all there as well as the next time that we're doing a run. We got a great response from the first one we did a couple weeks ago, and we're excited to keep doing these. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. You say, you say it was changing every day, and we, we got a PPP loan. I remember I had to fill out the application. I probably filled it out six or eight times, different times. And you know, I, I put my personal address instead of the business address or made one little typo on the 18-page document and had to redo the whole thing from scratch. And my, my viewpoint as a, you know, a small business owner was, one, I'm glad we have our operations director, Veronica, because our books were clean. I probably never would have got it two years ago when I was tracking my finances off of a Google sheet. So, yeah, there you go. So, that's, right? so that was, I was, I was thankful for that, but I felt like, you know, it was almost really well set up for the, you know, small to mid-sized companies who might have a, a CFO in there and have everything very in order and have those kind of resources, but maybe had some flaws, at least in that initial first wave for the very small business owners. What, what, what were the kind of pros of the first wave of PPP loans as well as the flaws that you saw? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think from, from our standpoint, the, the, the Treasury tried, I think the intentions were good. The intentions were try, were to try to make this as simple as possible um, for in to to get dollars out to companies that were struggling and companies that needed it. We are in an industry 
that is, that is built around risk and compliance, right? We've just spent the last 10 years as an industry getting to the point where we are as strong as we've ever been as an industry. And largely because we've done a great job of being great risk managers and compliance managers around. And then this program came along and literally the, the early part of it said, just take the application. You don't need a note. You don't need anything else. Just take the application and, and fund it into their account. We'll figure out the back end later. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, for, for a risk industry. Yeah. As bankers, we, we're, we're saying, wait a minute. Just take an application from somebody and fund it into their account and we'll figure out how to get paid back later. Yeah. That, that. Well, even, even, even as a small business owner, it was, it was almost weird, a weird process. It almost didn't feel right having to fill out that application and then getting that large sum of money. Cause I mean, you know how hard you work as a business owner right. to get clients and to generate revenue. And then all of a sudden just having this lump sum number just change in my bank account and be like, holy shit, is this, this, <laughs> this, this is real? This really yeah. just happened. Yeah. And then, you know, the kind of after that and still today, you know, I've been telling our ops person like, Hey, let's not, let's act like we almost don't have this. If it all, if it all does get forgiven, great. You know, if we do have to pay some of it back, um, you know, that's, that's fine. But we, 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 we don't, up, we don't know kind of. Exa- well, and we did. And, and obviously as an industry, we didn't know either. We wound up, um, we wound up commandeering a number of people from across our business. I mean, again, we were all working from home at the time. Yeah. So we, so we just, we pulled people from all different parts of our company and said, we're going to train you up on the application process. We're going to train you up on this process. We're going to train you up on this process. They were coming in at, they were, they were starting at six o'clock in the morning and I was getting emails at 10 o'clock at night from our chief credit officer who ran the, who ran this process for us masterfully, by the way, Scott Kelly. Um, and Dan Defniger runs the bank for us. Um, we, we were getting emails at 10 o'clock at night and they were starting back up again at six in the morning and running through it and going through it. And, and all the while the rules were changing just a little bit here and there, just a little bit here and there. And, um, and so it was stressful. Um, we got the dollars out. Now, now the next piece of this is how are we going to get them back? How are we going to get them back for those that don't qualify? How are you going to decide whether you qualify or not for forgiveness? You know, that portal opened up August 10th. And we've had a handful that have submitted applications for forgiveness. We're, we're going slow with the, with that process because we, we kind of, you know, kind of learned the first time through that, um, the rules are going to change a little bit as we keep, as we go through. So we're trying to be very cautious and careful about how we go through the forgiveness process. And, and again, I mean, two months ago, we all thought everything under 150 grand was going to be, was going to be swept away and we'd be done. We literally till the day, till the day that, um, that, that it was supposed to happen. Everybody thought that was going to happen. Will that happen in the future? I don't know. We'll see. So what um, what did happen with that? I, I have this on my notes to ask you if Congress is going to f- automatically forgive everything under 150K. And for those of you watching, we are recording this on September 3rd, just to timestamp it if this does change in the near future. But where does that currently sit? Where it currently sits is that, is that, um, is that they're, still, they're still working through their rules on this. There's still there's still guidance being delivered. Um, I, w- I would tell you that anybody who anybody who comes out and tells you they know exactly what the guidance is and can can really can tell you exactly how this is going to roll out, I, I think is I think is naive to think that it's. Um, I mean, we're 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 talking about a next a next round of this. We haven't figured out how to how to get um, forgiveness or payback on the first round yet. Right. So it's it's a it's a fluid process, and um and we're we're working through it. Everybody is. With that next round, do you guys have any estimation of when that would 
come out and do you think it would be the same? The first one was what, two months of rent and payroll, essentially? You know, I, I, I look at it and, I, and so, you know, the one side, you know, the Republicans are talking about, we're talking about a trillion dollars and Democrats, we're talking about um, two and a half or three trillion. Now they've come up and, and uh, I read this morning, Mnuchin was talking about um, 1.5 trillion. So they've come up to 1.5. Democrats have come down to 2.2. So they've closed the gap. But I think there's some impasses there right now that they've got to get through to decide how and when they get this out again. And when you say those numbers, is that for the personal stimulus checks and business? It's, it's, it's kind of for the next, I think it's for the next phase of the, of the kind of phase two of the CARES Act. Yeah. So you talk about forgiveness that that portal has opened up and some businesses have gone through that. What, what do you advise businesses to do? Be patient. I would advise, I would advise everybody to be patient. Don't, don't feel like you have to be the first in line for this. Don't feel like you have to be, um, like you're going to miss out by not being first in line. Um, we've, we've taken a very, uh, I'll call it a little bit of a wait and see approach. We've, um, we've worked through with a handful of customers of ours, um, this forgiveness process. We also know that it's going to, that it's going to keep changing along the way. So some, some wanted to get after it. And so we said, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a run with you. Yeah. Um, be patient with it. I, th- I think it's going to keep changing and morphing. Well, and that's almost like applying for the PPP. Cause I, I remember I, we got our PPP process on like the first wave of it on the final day. And even the, you know, stress of anxiety, stress and anxiety as a small business owner, like having to refill that out six to eight times in that two day window when in the news it was like, okay, it could run dry today. It could run they, dry they tomorrow. Were, they were talking about, they talked about early on that, that, that they were going to go through, um, they were going to go through $3 trillion or whatever the number, big number, or no, $600 billion in uh, two days. Come on. It, 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 that's what everybody thought was going to happen, was going to happen. And it wound up taking a whole, a long time yeah. to get through that process. Do you guys, you guys advise a lot of, a lot of businesses from a variety of industries, anywhere from small businesses to larger companies? What, um, what are some of the best practices that you've seen your clients use to just operate their businesses better in this COVID world? I, I think probably the, uh, probably the best, um, the best practices we're seeing right now. Uh, and, and, and I hope they're the ones that we're trying to do as well in our business at Johnson Financial Group is, um, keeping the, the safety of our, of our associates, our employees, um, and our customers kind of first and foremost. Um, you know, the, it's, it's hard to run a business in, in the best of times. Um, it's, it's, it's even harder when you, when you have uncertainty, um, around the health and safety and welfare of your customers and your employees. So, um, the custom, the companies that are, that are really doing it well, I think are, are, um, are keeping that top of mind and are, um, and are adapting uh, to working remotely and adapting to doing things a little bit differently and, 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 uh, staying patient with the idea that, uh, that, that we're just going to have to work through kind of a new abnormal for a little while until we, until we get back to a little bit more normalcy. Yeah. And then on the, on the personal finance, and we were talking a little bit before this and talking about the panic that, yeah people had when it first hit and you guys almost having to talk a lot of people off off a ledge to an extent on not selling their good stocks and securities when the market was at that all-time low in March. And obviously it's rebounded nicely. Who knows what's going to happen in the next several months. But what what are you guys advising your 
personal clients? And what do you think people should be doing financially? Yeah, you know, I just talked to Brian Andrew, who's our uh, chief investment officer this morning on that. And, um, and, and, you know, Brian made the point, which I think we've all been reading about, you know, 10, 10 companies, 10 stocks are, are driving a, a huge part of, you know, driving 50% plus of, of the rebound um, in the market right now. Big tech stocks, big right? tech stocks, yeah. right? All so, so what what that means from that standpoint is there's there's a lot of really good, um, fundamentally sound companies that are that are that are still lagging a little bit. So there's opportunities in some of those uh, in some of those today still. Um, you know, we certainly aren't at the peak of the market. I mean, look at things like financials. Financials have been have been lagging coming back out of this. There's probably opportunity in in a lot of areas. I would, for us, we advise people to to talk to their Johnson their Johnson <laughs> Wealth Advisor and uh, and uh, and and really have a good plan and a good strategy in place to take advantage of of um, where where we are in the market and talk to people who do this every day right. and watch it every day. Do you think those big tech stocks are being overvalued at all, or do you think in this this new norm in this uncertain world, those are the companies that? You know, people know are probably going to be around in ten years. Great it's- question. It's a great question. I, you know, time will tell, right? I, I do. I do. I mean, you, you look at just look at the values. I mean, we saw and- Zoom go up forty percent yesterday in crazy. one day. Yeah, it's crazy. Apple's and, and, over and, and, ten trillion now. It's Zoom went up forty percent. It didn't exist for all intents and purposes um, in a, in a meaningful way. Right. Nine months ago. Right. That's that is um, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, so, some, uh, yeah, obviously talking to your financial advisor and almost just not, not overreacting, not getting too high or too low on what's going on right now. Cause ultimately yeah. it is kind of impossible to time. Like, well, I, I, I told you earlier today, you know, one, one of the things I, in, in April, probably April, beginning of May, I was talking to Brian Andrew about this. I said, what are, what are our biggest challenges with our customers right now? He said, our biggest challenges right now is, is our, is convincing our customers with really good investments that they have to just be patient. If, if, if the company is a good company with great fundamentals, um, don't, don't sell it, um, at the bottom. Have a little bit of patience and, 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 and some of the stuff you got to wait out. Depends on your circumstances, depends on your, depends on a lot of different things. But, um, that was, that was a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. 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 Um, we also touched on culture with you guys are. Based out of Racine, mm-hmm. with obviously Kenosha is very close to home. We know what's happened there over the last few weeks. Are there any messages that you're sending to the branches over there? How have you handled that situation? Yeah, I I, I spent um, uh, Carla Crable, who runs that who runs that market for us, is our market president down there, and I spent a morning um, last week down in uh, down at, touring our Kenosha branches. Uh, it, it's just a really unfortunate situation. It's it's um, it was a it was really kind of devastating to, to drive through downtown Kenosha and see the, and see the destruction there. It's what we're doing with our folks down there is, um, is just trying to be as available as we can to help them out, um, with, with anything that they need and to support them and, and, uh, and be empathetic to what they're going through down there. It's a really tough time in Kenosha right now. Yeah, it is. And if anyone does want more information on that, you can check out our last episode where we had three Kenosha community leaders on. Just there's so much information out there in the media. It was refreshing to hear hear from them and almost the the truth of what's actually happening right. in that situation and how the community is is responding on that realm. Um so Pop, you you have a you have an interesting background. How 
how did uh how did football in college and your your three cups of coffee in the in the NFL prepare you for business? Yeah, I told people I got I got fired from my first three jobs. Right, <laughs> you get fired from your first three jobs. That you know you, you you figure you figure out how to pivot a little bit and and do something different. Yeah, I was I was an economics major at Vanderbilt, so I so I I I, I didn't think the NFL was going to be my um my long term play necessarily. I I um. I didn't know what I was going to do. I started in the banking business in 1987 because I, I I needed a job and I figured I'd do this until I figured out uh, what I really wanted to do with my life. And um, you know, 30 some years later, here I am. Yeah, and then you made what what caused you to make the switch from Chase to Johnson Financial a few years ago? What do you what did you see in that opportunity, and how's how's it panned out for you so far? You know, you know for for me, Richie, it was just it was just time. I, I you know I. I I started with a company, American National Bank and Trust Company in Chicago, which was a little bank that felt an awful lot like Johnson Financial Group feels. Um, that was then acquired by First Chicago, which merged with NBD, which was acquired by Bank One, which was acquired by JP Morgan. And before you know it, you're, you're a company with 280,000 employees in over a hundred countries. And it feels a little different um, than the, than kind of the local, um, decision making and the local feel that you, that you, that you need to really be impactful. In a, in a, in a market like Wisconsin, market like Milwaukee, like Racine or Kenosha. Uh, the opportunity came up and I, and it was just time to make a change. I have nothing but good things to say about Chase and JP Morgan. It's, it's a great place, uh, for, for the big banks in the ecosystem. There's a great place for banks like us in the ecosystem too. Yeah. Space for all of us. Absolutely. And what would you say the kind of the future for Johnson Financial looks like 10 years down the road and what, what's constant? Today, that will remain the same. And what do you see the big changes being? I, I think what's constant for us, uh, and um, and will remain the same, is um, is our um, our local decision making, our local feel, the the commitment we have to the markets that that we um, we're, we're business. We're not in we're not in thirty states. We're not going to be in thirty states. Um, we 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 want to be a very personal. Like we talk about it all the time in our business. We want to be. Um, we, we want to be safe and sound, um, among everything. We want to be, uh, we want to be simple and easy to do business with. We want to be competent in the things that we do. And, and the advent of more technology coming allows us to be best in class in a lot of things. And we want to be personal, simple, safe, competent, and personal. If we can do that every day. Uh, we have a great opportunity to earn our, our fair share of the market. What's going to change with us is we are in a, an evolving industry. So the, the, um, 15 years ago, there were 7,500, 7,600 banks in this country. Today, there's 4,700. There's an evolution and a consolidation in the industry. And those that are going to continue to, to be around are going to be the ones that evolve with it and invest in technology and invest in, in what their customer base needs and wants and demands, uh, from a, from a financial services company. And that's what we'll continue to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question I got for you. You've done, you've done a lot in the business world. You've done a lot philanthropically. Is there, is there a certain thing that you've done that you're most proud of or something that stands out? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a certain thing that I'm most proud of. I, I, I'll tell you, um, collectively, the thing I'm most proud of is, is, um, is the relationships that, you know, I've been in Milwaukee for 20 years. Uh, it'll be 20 years this year. And, um, Milwaukee and I've been in Milwaukee and Wisconsin for 20 years this year. And the relationships that we've been able to build over 20 years, um, I always tell people, you know, I was a, 
I was a, a fib coming in, you know, which yeah. friendly mm-hmm. Illinois brother. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. what that yep. is, right? I knew that's what that was. <laughs> um, but that's, but, but having the, being able to develop the relationships across the, uh, across our businesses and across the community has been really gratifying. And it's been, uh, and it's just, it, it's, Wisconsin's a really great place to be. It really is. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, of course. It's good seeing you. Thanks for dropping by in person. It's fun seeing people in person again. Um, would also like to thank Carmen over at Johnson Financial, John Mariano, overall good dude. <laughs> we won't give him too <laughs> much shit don't on give this him too podcast. Much, don't give him too much credit. We, we won't try and float his ego too much either, but John has helped me quite, out quite a bit since I started this company a while ago. And uh, Kevin Jones... One of my best friends from high school recently joined Johnson Financial and uh, submitted some of these questions to help my outline. So shout out to uh, KJ. That's great. Well, it's great. It's great to be here. It's great to see you in person. It's um, uh, it, what you're doing is really is really neat stuff. So congratulations on your business yeah. and what you're doing with it. Appreciate it. And if you guys got anything out of this episode, please make sure you leave a review and subscribe if you have not already. And just a reminder, this show is brought to you by our friends over at On Milwaukee and by Go Get It Marketing and Media, ggmm.io. Thanks for joining us today. 